nothing. What is nothing? Hey, now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. Hello, bros. Welcome to That's Deep, Bro. Serious questions with silly people. I'm your host, Christina Pajitsky. And um, hey, man, I went on a nice vacation. I went on what the what the yupsters call a baby moon, <laughs> which is uh, basically your last hurrah before you become responsible for another human life. You know, you and your significant other, you go to a, we went to a nice hotel and uh, we just ate a ton and uh, went to the pool and looked for people fatter than ourselves to feel better about uh to feel better about us to feel better about me i am uh, progressively getting fatter and bigger and uh it's uh you know sucks so i like to look at other people and judge them and um <laughs> it feels better uh so yeah a lot of deep thoughts this week man i had time to sit around and kind of and and think about shit and i'll i'll share that with you in a moment but first we have a we have a sponsor well number one hey do you shop on amazon I know you do. I know you use Amazon Prime because you're a smart person. Um, do you know they can deliver stuff on the same day? Like, I ordered a dog collar and it showed up uh, that very evening. And I spent the entire day, like most of my day, just tracking the package, obsessing over how is that even possible instead of just going to the pet store and buying one. <laughs> That's how lazy I am. So, uh, yeah, Amazon. You shop there. Use my banner, please. That's thebropodcast.com. Um, what that means is you go to my website and you see a little square that says Amazon. Just click on that before you do your shopping as you normally would. And it magically traces back to like my website and, and it takes a little few pennies, whatever, a little commission, if you will. Um, so please, 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 please. Come on, man. I'm told that my lungs are being pushed up into my <laughs> being pushed up into my throat, which is what happens apparently when you make a human life. Like all your organs just get smushed up, get smushed up, and I can't I can't breathe. <gasps> so I was on this vacation, baby moon is what they call them now. Your baby moon, oh. <laughs> oh. And, um, I was, you know, I don't, I don't usually read in touch magazine, but I was getting, uh, like a treat, like a cupcake treat. And, uh, in the, in this like little area that you can buy all that stuff at in the hotel we were at and I saw in touch magazine and there's my favorite. There's Joshy Duggar again. What's, what's he been up to? <laughs> what have the Duggars been up to, guys? Um, Joshy Duggar was one of the people they found having Ashley Madison accounts. You naughty, naughty boy. <laughs> that family, <laughs> that family is just is the worst. The worst human beings. The biggest hypocritical pieces of shit on the planet. And I'm so I'm thrilled. I'm at least he's not um, molesting his siblings now. Uh, he's just having. Legal consensual sex with a porn star, apparently. <laughs> so, 
so great. And it's so great that he's like on the council. He had some, he was on some bullshit, you know, um, weirdo council for family values. And meanwhile is, uh, having sex outside of his marriage. He's like four kids. What is he? What is he? 20 years old? And he has a thousand children because, you know, his, um, wackadoo religion tells him to do so, which by the way is, probably the most selfish and that's why i hate the duggars the most i don't care what you believe you know if, that, if that's that's fine love love the god that makes you happy but pumping out kid after kid and um nobody no there's no mom out there that can care for 19 kids adequately there's no two people in the world that can do that and what happens is the the siblings get to raise your children isn't that neat to rob your children of their childhoods so they can raise and diaper and discipline their siblings i'm sure that's exactly what uh jessa jebediah josiah jane and jekka and jizzy and jabber john whoever the fuck else with their stupid j names that's all they wanted to do was raise their sibs right what a bunch of assholes but anyways got me to thinking about this Joshy Duggar uh, <laughs> and Kanye West, by the way, with the VMAs, is that you know, uh, and and actually watching people in this hotel I was at, I was in a beautiful resort, beautiful hotel, and I saw people, adult people, being douchebags to servers, being angry for no reason, at, at like stupid minutia. Say, well, they tacked on a six dollar charge for the and you're like, well, get that's what they do. That's what hotels do. The whole whole purpose of a hotel is to rip you off and and make you, you know, they they gouge you. That's the fun of the vacation is that it it costs a thousand dollars to drink out of a coconut. That's the fun. Okay, just just accept it. But the point is, I was looking at Joshy Duggar. I was looking at Kanye West, who was. Who is just rambling at the VMAs at nothing with this poor Taylor Swift again is being assaulted by this idiot. Um, and uh, who was the other one I was thinking about? Ah, anyways, you watch these people and you think, why, why bother being a good person? You know, why, why do I have to behave? When everybody else gets to be a douchebag. You know, I mean, what's the point of being good when there are people that feel like they're above all that kind of stuff? You know, so that's my topic for today. Why bother being a decent human being? Why bother being good in a world where, frankly, especially now with the internet you can kind of get away with being a piece of shit for a long time. I mean, Josh Duggar and all the other people on Ashley Madison were kind of getting away with it for a long time. And why? 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 Because all the time, a lot of times, good people don't finish first. And that's, that's another thing. You don't always win being a nice person. So why? Why the fuck bother? All right. We'll get into it in a bit. Let's get into it after this. Thanks 
Bodhisattva Val, man. That's a deep song. The Beastie Boys, they got real deep on it, dude. I fucking, who doesn't love the Beastie Boys? Like, what a great band. And, uh, yeah, they started off singing about what, like chicks? They were 18 or, no, they were younger. They were probably like 16 when they started. And it was all about tits and partying and beer. And then, I, you know, some rock stars, some famous people, they go off the deep end with drugs and, and hookers and blow. And then other people like Sting and the Beastie Boys and, well, Sheryl Crow got into environmentalism, which was super annoying, and told people to use one square of toilet paper. <laughs> you know, you can go that route where, you, where as a celebrity you become the a-hole that tells people how to wipe their asses, um, the hypocritical allegories of the world to tell us not to have carbon footprints yet live in like 8,000 square feet homes. <laughs> you know, how, how does that, when does that happen? When celebrities tell you how to live your the average American, us with no private jets, how to do it. Fuck you. But the Beastie Boys kind of went a cooler route. Like they kind of went the spiritual route. They started writing about, you know, Buddhism. If you, if you, pay attention a little like some of their lyrics are just super deep they're such smart guys man i tell you that's a band i i so i just oh i'm so mad i miss them so much anyways so okay you know who we lost we lost um one of my faves in the self-help community wayne dyer dr wayne dyer we lost him and um, he died. And I, he wouldn't say that he died. He would say that he left his physical body. <laughs> and he's now in the astral plane. He's, uh, he's fantastic. If you're not familiar with Dr. Wayne Dyer, who, was he a doctor? I think he was a doctor of psychology. I think he was, yeah, he was a psychologist. A smart guy. He was a really smart guy. Uh, there's a great book called your erroneous zones and it sounds like your erogenous zones but it's erroneous zones and uh it was written in 1976 the year of my birth hello the bicentennial year best year and um that book helped me so much i read it like i don't know eight years ago and uh it's super it's so great and there's a great line in this book where he says to try and ignore the quote good opinion of others and i that phrase has always stuck with me um here here's a, a blog entry i'm sure he didn't write i'm sure his people wrote i love when um people say goodbye by saying namaste they're like namaste wayne that's how he signs off on his blogs which is so fucking rad <laughs> who gets away with that you know like there's so like duncan trussell He's so fun at the comedy store. I saw him go Hare Krishna and then he got off stage and I thought that's the funniest thing I've ever seen a comedian do. And he, but he meant, and I was like, Oh my God, that was so funny. Duncan that you said Hare Krishna and got off stage. He's like, Oh, did I do that? <laughs> so, um, so Wayne Dyer in the beginning of his book writing career. So that's a huge bestseller, by the way, your erroneous zones, is just a multi-million dollar thing. So poor Wayne Dyer had a crummy life. I'll tell you, he uh, was orphaned as a child. 
and he and his brother were sent to an orphanage, old school orphanage, and he said that that was one of the most transformative events of his life. Yeah, no shit. Um, and he did this thing where he told his little brother and the other children to look at it differently. He said, no, we're not in an orphanage. This is, this isn't a bad thing. This is awesome. Like there's no parents here to tell us what to do. We have all this freedom. This is the most wonderful thing that could have happened to us. And isn't that uh, a really neat way of looking at stuff? So this blog entry from, let's see, when is it dated? It doesn't have a date on here. It's just on his website, drwayndyer.com. It says, you can't please all the people. And this is something I, I know I've worked on, uh, especially as a performer for a, a while. You, you know, That's why you become a comic. Let's be honest. You, don't, you, don't, you, know, you can say whatever the fuck you want. Most of us just need a lot of love, a lot of approval all the time. I need a lot of acknowledgement. <laughs> Very empty inside. I need a lot of people. Uh, to tell me how fantastic I am. And that's that's just the truth of it, okay? Um, so it, the entry goes, isn't it hard to follow the Tao and try to be independent of the good opinion of others? So he got into the Tao later in his career and also into things like orbs and, uh, you know, miracles and Magigoria and all that crap. I think as, he, as Wayne got closer to death, he started to get a bit more spiritual. So... And then the Dow became a thing and he gave away all of his money and, and all the yada yada. Lived on Maui. Oh, yeah, I want to live on Maui. <sighs> Isn't it hard to follow the Dow and try to be independent of the good opinion of others, people ask? Actually, it's much harder to struggle with either seeking approval or trying to shake off disapproval. Hmm. If everything you do must be measured against the good opinion of everyone else, what happens to your good opinion of yourself? Who's looking out for the soul that is your connection to the divine? You have to decide what your passion, your bliss is calling you to do. When you're following that call, your feelings of joy, contentment, and peace will be strong enough to keep you from worrying about pleasing all the people all the time, as if that is even possible. For example, after a seminar not long ago, I received a letter from an audience member who told me the workshop, quote, did not live up to her expectations. <laughs> who the fuck writes those letters, by the way? I mean, you got to be out of your mind to take pen to paper to tell somebody they sucked. An audience of a thousand people will probably have a thousand different sets of expectations. How could I possibly meet completely all of those varied and intimate and unique sets of expectations. I have to dance to the music I hear and invite you to do the same. Honor the divine within you by going to a quiet place this week and tuning into the sacred melody. Namaste, Wayne. Wow. That's pretty cool, right? But so true. I mean, I know I fear it. I, I definitely feel, uh, you know, fear not living up to people's expectations all the time. It's a, that's a hard fucking thing to do to ignore that stuff, right? But he's right. So that also got me on the track of thinking about this other thing I read in a philosophical journal called Oprah Magazine. That's right. Good old Oprah. I do. I love her. So uh, Wayne Dyer and Obobes were great friends. You know, she was always doing shows with him on Maui. The two of them were always uh, sitting in, in under like huge trees, sitting in uh, 
what are those teak whatever chairs? <laughs> and Wayne had a habit of talking too much, I remember, and Oprah would be like, well, Wayne, I know you can just talk as much as you like. Like he was just, he just rambled and, sh and she would listen. Uh, but the point being to not live up to other people's expectations and, and uh, live in integrity. And that's something that's such a big theme I found with this generation, with millennials, that seems to be a, a, a really important thing, which is to, to be yourself and to, to live the way, you know, you believe you should and this and that. Um, and that doesn't always get rewarded. That's the hard part of, of living in integrity and, and, and living from a place that makes sense for you. And then there are people, like I said at the beginning before I played the Beastie Boys, who just don't give a fuck about <laughs> respecting any of this stuff of integrity and people who just enjoy fucking with other people. Like if you look at the Kanye West thing at the VMAs, like he kind that I don't even know. I was, I watched it cause I thought, okay, well maybe he's got something to say. And he's like, I stand up for other artists. And you're like, what? Nobody wants you to do that, bro. Like we're good. Nobody's asking you to stand up for them and you just want something. How about just say thank you and get the fuck off stage um, and again, he was continuing to shit on Taylor Swift and this and that. And you're like, what, what are you doing? Why are you exempt from the rules? Why, why do you get to, to stand up there and be a doucher and make everybody else listen to your dumb, your dumb stuff? Like what? And, and, and the same goes with, with Josh Duggar and you know, people in your life, I'm sure you do. I know people in my life who just seem to do whatever the fuck it is they want to do and they don't care about other people's feelings. You know these people. You know these people. They flatter, uh, manipulate, and seduce whoever just to get what they want by any means necessary to get what they want. And it's infuriating because you're like, wait a minute, here I am doing the right things you know, I'm plunking my quarters into this karmic uh, vending machine. And, you know, what? how come they get to cut in line and essentially break the glass on the machine and steal all the potato chips that I want? That's not cool. That's not cool, bro. So what's the point? Why do I bother? Why even bother living in integrity? So... <sighs> We'll get there. But first, let's talk about Joshy Duggar. Joshy Duggar. <laughs> As if things couldn't get bad enough for this poor guy. Wait, did I just call him a poor guy? I don't know. In some ways, I feel bad that he was born into that god-awful family. But but let's face it, he's a kind of a predator. He, he molested his siblings, which is horrific and, and grody. Um... You know what I've been thinking about too, by the way, is people that stand by and let other people do crappy things. Uh, for instance, C Camille Cosby. Like, you got to be shitting me that you don't know your husband was a rapist for, I don't know, 40 some years. She didn't know. She didn't notice. <laughs> she didn't know. You got to be. I, listen, my husband comes home 
I don't know, 20 minutes outside of the time he says he will normally. And I'm texting. What are you doing? Where are you? What, what's happening? What's going on? Where are you now? What are you doing? I, I know everything. I feel like he knows the same with me. I, you know, I, that's, that's not to say I don't, we don't give each other freedom, but for fuck's sake, I mean, how, how uh, disconnected are you from your spouse? You don't notice they're a serial rapist? She knew. I have a feeling she knew, and I have a feeling she either decided to turn a blind eye, conceal it maybe even, which is more insufferable and more evil than anything else, is to conceal somebody else's evil. And I know people, oh, but maybe, you know, why, 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 I don't know. What, what's the argument to conceal a raping, a serial rapist spouse? I don't know. Because she wanted stuff. I think she wanted to keep her lifestyle. I think she wanted to keep her money. I think uh, she wanted to make sure that she and the cause stay together so that some other bitch doesn't move in and take all her shit, take all her stuff, right? She's protecting her things. And I, I don't know, man. I don't know how she sleeps at night personally. Uh, I, I tell you what, you know how many, exactly how many rapes it would take for me to get out of my marriage? One, bro. <laughs> the cops come knocking. Uh, I got to go. I got to get out of this. So, you know, 50 women. How I don't know what the count is now. It's preposterous. This whole stand by your man stuff. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Why, even a serial rapist? Okay. At least Jared from Subway's wife was like, nah, I'm out, dude. I'm, I'm out. I got to go. You're a pedophile. And how do you not know your husband's a pedophile, too? Get the fuck out. These broads knew. They have to know something's up. But Camille, at least, at the very least, I hope she's mad at him all the time. Like, I hope... I hope that she just fucking hates him and grits her teeth and just, you, I hate you. I hate you, Bill. I hope you choke on them hoagies. I hope you die from them hoagies, Bill. That's what, that's my wish, that at least Bill Cosby's wife is making his life miserable at home. <sighs> but Joshie Duggar, okay, so let's talk about this. Josh Duggar and a bunch of other people got busted on AshleyMadison.com for having accounts there. I guess somebody hacked into the um, into their server and and revealed all the names of people that had accounts. <sighs> That's got to be a rough day. That's got to be a bad day for all the people involved in that scandal. My goodness. But um. <laughs> That guy was already in so much trouble. But monogamy, excuse me, as a social construct, I think we can all agree it's hard on, I guess, on some people. Because um, monogamy as a social construct did start with the idea of property and inheritance. And I, this is, I guess, the most recent belief, the most recent finding. There is some book Dan Savage was talking about on his show uh, I have not read it myself, but I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing from Dan Savage that basically monogamy came to establish inheritance and bloodlines of offspring. So a man and a woman have kids, and the woman is expected to stay monogamous so that the uh, offspring isn't questioned, the, the, the paternity um, of the offspring is not questioned. And, you know, you get to hand down your land and all your, and all your crap uh, to your kid. 
Now, the monogamy stuff only applied to women in the past until about the sexual revolution shows up in the 60s and the 70s in the United States anyways. Uh, because I believe in Europe and in South America, totally fine for a man to have a mistress as well. And I want to say it's totally fine in places like France for a woman to have a manstress or many lovers. Um, not polyamory. That's different. Polyamory is when you come clean with your affairs with each other, which is to me an infinitely messy way of doing things as well. Like, I don't know. I might want the lies over um, meeting the new woman. My husband is currently ejaculating and I, I can't even handle the idea of polyamory and, and sharing my spouse with somebody. I, I would vomit. Um, I'd be so jealous and so insecure at the thought of my husband being with another woman. It's really just insecurity on my part, why I love monogamy. But anyway, so social constructs. And then we have uh, the sexual revolution comes, and now women are like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why do I have to be monogamous when he doesn't have to be monogamous? He gets to just he gets to go do his thing. What about me? What about my stuff? You know what I'm saying? And then... Uh, so that's when monogamy, uh, I guess, is is now falling apart. Well, I don't know. Is that why? I I think I think sex. I think the cheating on someone kind of happens after the relationship has fallen apart. I think that uh, monogamy, in in and of itself, is it practical? Yeah, yeah. It's super practical. It's super practical when you're having a family, at least as a heterosexual woman. Um, for me, it's fantastic. I don't want my husband uh, ejaculating and somebody else making more children, making my life a living hell. Uh, I think it's good. I think it works. I, for me personally, it's pretty easy. I mean, I joke about, you know, banging Puerto Rican dudes in my act and stuff. It's totally, it's not real. I don't really uh, struggle with monogamy, mostly because uh, cheating on somebody, from what I understand, uh, is pretty involved. It's uh, it's like another part-time job. I mean, the amount of <laughs> the amount of uh, mm, duplicity is that the word? The amount of effort and energy it takes to like conceal text messages and come up with excuses like oh, I gotta, yeah, I got a meeting in Utah. I gotta go to. <laughs> I got this bowling convention. It's just it's such a waste of. Uh, of time and energy. And I, I really, in my heart, believe that the only time, the only, not the only time, but I think what generally, generally prompts that the, the affairs and, and whatnot is a boredom. Sometimes people get bored. I get that. But then like pick up a hobby. <laughs> if you're bored, I don't know, do charity work, take up surfing, but, um, but also revenge. I find, I find a lot of times in the people I know that have had affairs, the resounding theme is like, I, I fucking hate him. I just hate him and I want to get back at him and I want to hurt his feelings and this is how I'm going to do it. And I think a lot of times people are super angry when they do that. Now, I don't know what little Joshy Duggar's uh, reasons were. He could be, he's clearly not in a sexless marriage. Uh, he has four children already. Or who knows, maybe when she's pregnant, she's like, do not touch me. I don't want you to touch me. Uh, but still, it kind of doesn't, I don't know, does that really, 
Uh, is that really enough of an excuse to sign up for Ashley Madison? I don't, I don't fucking know. But then I do think there are people who, um, are in, in marriages or situations where let's say they mutually consent to both of them stepping outside the marriage. Like, let's say, you know, the wife is diagnosed with some cancer and clearly, you know, doesn't want to do stuff. Maybe she's given him license to step out and all stuff like that. And maybe you're in a totally sexless, loveless relationship marriage and you've been together for like 50 years. I don't know. But even then, uh, just say something to your spouse for God's sakes. Ugh. So anyways, he got caught. I don't know what's going to happen to him. I think he's in a quote rehab now, which is hilarious. A rehab. <laughs> Good luck. This guy needs a full makeover. He needs a full psychotherapy makeover, boys, bros, boys and girls. No way. Yeah, he needs a lot of help. I love when people are like, monogamy is so, it's so unnatural. It's so unnatural to stay with one person. But okay, well, let's look at it this way. There are so many appetites in our society that you must control and suppress your impulses. Are, you can't act on every impulse you have in order to function in a society. You just, you can't. For instance, there's a part of all of us that wants to murder. I will, there's so many people I'd love to murder and strangle um, and stab. Uh, there's so many times I want to overeat, which, you know, I still do, but I want to drink. I don't drink now, but in the past, you know, drinking uh, more than I should. I want to speed a lot. I try to curb that. Um, there's impulses that you have to curb just to kind of, to make things work easier and that's the same with monogamy you just kind of have to curb your impulses so that the greater good is being served in the long run the greater good is being served and the greater good being you and your partner have trust you have a hopefully a decent relationship because there is trust right right it's a win-win oh but then there are people really people who exist with no conscience, people who don't care about hurting other people. And those people are known as sociopaths. <laughs> sociopaths. And, and I've just read this book on vacation. I just love these books. Hold on. Sociopathy. The Sociopath Next Door is fantastic if you're interested. Let's see. Hold on. I was looking. Okay. The Sociopath Next Door by Martha Stout is a great book um, on the topic. And apparently there's a lot of spectrum, spectrums. Not all of them are, you know, Patrick Bateman from uh, my most favorite movie, American Psycho. I think that's how we picture sociopaths. It's not always like that. But there are people that have no concern for the feelings of others. Um, little Joshy Duggar. <laughs> Perhaps... A sociopath? Yes. Oh, okay. And the book I'm referring to is not the, uh, the other one. It's called The Psychopath Inside. This neuroscientist was studying people's brains. He was actually studying psychopaths and um, did a scan on himself and found that he himself was one. <laughs> Oops. 
Uh, it's a pretty crazy, it's a really interesting book, but he says, defining characteristics of those we refer to as psychopaths is the lack of interpersonal empathy, what one might call a flat emotional playing field. Psychopaths may not hate, but they also may not love the way most of us would prefer to love and be loved. Psychopaths are usually manipulative, are champion liars, and can be quite glib and disarmingly charming. They don't fear consequences the way most people do, and while they may react to the stress of being caught in a lie or violent act like anyone would, some remain cool as cucumbers. Even the most dangerous can appear jovial, carefree, and social at times, but sooner or later, they will display a telling distance, a quiet, cold-heartedness, and disregard for others. They are often impulsive, yet lack guilt and remorse, meaning they may invite you to join in on their reckless, even dangerous fun, and then shrug their shoulders if someone gets hurt. <laughs> There's a hair checklist, it says, in identifying a psychopath, the hair, H-A-R-E checklist. It's like a test you can take to see if you are a psychopath. I think they use the word socio sociopath and psychopath at least this guy does a bit interchangeably here. Uh, yeah. It says, since I'm a brain scientist and interested in the genetic and neurological causes of the pers this personality disorder, I will use the term psychopath for the purposes of this book instead of sociopath. Really crazy. And I think um, like a lot of people do kind of walk among us in the spectrum of um, lacking empathy, uh, disregard for other people's feelings. They do what they want to do. They act flippant. Um, they don't really give a shit if they hurt other people. Uh, Kanye West, mm, bit of that maybe. Maybe a bit of mental illness sprinkled in with drugs. Uh, Joshy Duggar, yes. So there you go. There's the book, The Psychopath Inside. Really, really interesting read for anybody. God, I feel like I've known a few psychopaths in my life, boy. Quite a few. A lot of CEOs, <laughs> a lot of people in show business tend to be on that spectrum. Uh, I know a lot of uh, crazy uh, comedians, I think, that would be considered psychopaths as well. But anyways, I digress. Why be good? Um sociopaths are don't give a shit psychopaths sociopaths don't give a shit either way they just do what they want to do <clears throat> excuse me and they they don't give a shit about consequences that's the whole point but we're talking about the average person you and me and um in this other article i found in a magazine that i subscribe to on my nook actually i don't use nook anymore i use the ipad um but yeah, this was on my note called Philosophy Now. It's a little nerdy magazine, a little independent thing. And in the August-September issue, there's this great article on the prisoner's dilemma and the evolution of morality. And um, this guy named Brian King, he said, seeks the possible evolution of morality through computer simulation. So what they did is they ran a bunch of scenarios in a computer to see maybe what would motivate people to to be moral, to act good, to do the right thing. Um, and it starts with a prisoner's dilemma, which is a game that you win by getting the lowest number of years in jail. So this is the prisoner's dilemma. Imagine you are one of two people who have robbed a diamond merchant. Mm, diamond merchant. Okay. 
Diamonds. Diamonds are such a, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't do diamonds because uh, that documentary I saw on De Beers and how it's totally arbitrary how people, you know, create value for things like diamonds. It's a, it's a total bullshit economy. It's all perceived theory of value, perceived value rather. They just assign, do you know that? Did you know that? Before you go asking for diamond rings and stuff, uh, 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 from your from your significant others, just know that it's total horseshit. They're just rocks in the ground that are mined, and then the De Beers company goes, "Yeah, that's worth like those those that cut that thing that clarity that's worth you know two thousand dollars. That's worth ten thousand. It's total horseshit. Uh, don't buy, don't believe the hype. So personally, I would have robbed just a bank. Give me the cash. Give me the cash. Okay, but for this purpose. Imagine you are one of two people who have robbed a diamond merchant. A diamond merchant. Merchant. You and your accomplice are both apprehended by the police and held in separate cells for questioning. The investigating officer offers both of you the same deal. So here's the deal. If you confess and thereby incriminate the other and the others remain silent, the other remains silent, then, hel- then for helping with inquiries, your sentence will be reduced to one year and your silent accomplice will get four years. You get that? So if you blab on your partner in crime, your sentence goes down to one year, but the other guy gets four. <laughs> but if you both remain silent, you will both get only two years. Yet if you both confess and incriminate each other, you will receive three years. So you must either betray your accomplice or remain silent. Oof, that's a choice, isn't it? I know, and you like to think in an ideal world that both of you would just keep your mouth shut if you trusted the other person, right? And then that way you get, if you're quiet, then you both get two years. You both win if you both participate. So they ran a bunch of computer simulations with a prisoner's dilemma and different ways and avenues and lanes and there's things like utility you know people will get along or work along or be good in other words with other people um because of rewards uh like well like gain i mean like reputation's important and this is why you would do the right thing because you would want your reputation to stay clean thereby making things good for you in the long run um a lot of times you do the right thing to avoid shame and guilt, which I know in Eastern cultures is a big deal. Like I know in, in Japan, shame and guilt are, are huge, huge factors in towing the line. Um, to bring shame and guilt on your family is considered the, the worst possible thing you can do. But I think in the West, we are, we are progressively getting uh, more and more shameless I think as as the years go by, it's and and to a point where not so good, you know. I think a certain level of shame is kind of a good thing. Um, I don't. I think, yeah. I think you should be. You should try to keep some stuff under wraps. Do we have to share every everything in the world? Do, must we put it all uh, everything out for everybody to see all the time? A uh, little shame is good. Keep, keep it inside. But most importantly, people do the right thing uh, because in the long run, 
it benefits you to keep your genetic line going. You want to keep your offspring and, and your genetics going. It's like a primal thing uh, to be good and to cooperate with others rather. Isn't that interesting? So basically there's, <laughs> there's just useful reasons to why most of us are doing what we do. And I don't know if that's true. I mean, I, you know, maybe it's because I was raised uh, pretty Christian and Catholic. I, I loved Jesus when I was a, a little girl. I loved the idea of a God watching over me and, and yeah, judging me sometimes, but also taking care of me. And, and if I did good things, then, you know, I would stay out of hell. But I think, too, um, that idea of staying out of hell kind of evolves, hopefully, as, as we evolve as adults, because hell, you find, it's not a real place. It's not a tangible outside thing. Hell can often be your own mind uh, when you do shitty things to other people, right? Hell is, is living with your own garbage mind, <laughs> Right? You don't need to be in, in fiery flames to feel hell. Hell is, is often what you do to yourself. Hell is the guilt and remorse one feels, ideally, if you're a decent human being, um, when you do something shitty, right? That's, that's hell. Uh, unless you're a sociopath, in which case, no, none of that stuff. Um, but... This other article was in uh, the philosophy journal known as Oprah Magazine that I've been subscribed to for many, many years. You know, there's a lot of bullshit in Oprah about what to buy. And my favorite part is um, Oprah will tell you to buy things like uh, these glitter slippers for $500. <laughs> Oprah's favorite things are all over $500. Um, and I love that she's recommending that the average person buy the crap that she buys. Sorry, Oprah. I don't think so. But there's, um, there's a lady in here who writes this pretty cool column named Martha Beck. And um, I don't know what the fuck her story is, but I, I like her stuff sometimes. And she wrote this article which said, Life's not fair. It's possible to face that fact with grace. You just have to stop expecting fate to dispense satisfying little packets of justice. I think that's a really neat thing. Um, yeah, so basically, you know, you're a good person. You do what you're supposed to do. And then you're like, well, where's my cookie? Like, wait, that person's a piece of shit. And they didn't do all cool stuff, nice things for people and like, why did that, why is that person getting rewarded? And I should be getting rewarded because I'm super, I'm like, good. I'm super good. I don't hurt. I try not to hurt other people deliberately and I'm not a sociopath. I don't deliberately harm others without remorse. Where's my candy? And, um, Martha Beck says we've been taught to use the wrong kind of virtue and expect the wrong kind of reward. So in other words, uh, yeah, it's a very childish idea that if you put in good things, you're going to always get great things back. And I think if you live long enough, you start to understand that successes and failures and ups and downs, um, that it's just constant. There's a constant flow of, of all that stuff. And if you root your happiness and if you root your, um, I don't know, 
being in a sense of like the ebb and flow of the outside world, you're always going to be disappointed. You're always going to be like, well, where's my cookie? Where's my shit? So she talks about going on what's called an integrity cleanse. Ooh, which I, I really like the idea of an integri- integrity cleanse, especially in light of like I was saying at the very beginning about this, the millennials and their love of, you know, Miley Cyrus, her whole thing is like, just be yourself. Just do your thing. Do your own thing. Be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. And you hear that's such a mantra. Um, but in cases like Kanye West, like, just don't, please, bro, stop being yourself. Nobody likes you. Um, but everybody else be yourself except for Kanye West. Uh, (laughs) but yes, Martha Beck advocates going on what's, excuse me, known as an integrity cleanse. So she starts by saying what I kind of was just paraphrasing that, um, if attaining things and stuff, that happiness that that creates is temporary and unreliable. External rewards may bring a surge of elation, but it quickly fades, leaving the millionaire Still feeling financial loss, the beloved actor still suicidal, the aging supermodel still hating her body. Oh boy, isn't that interesting? The outside rots, it all rots, it all goes downhill, it all decays, <laughs> it all comes and goes, the money, the lovers, the everything, right? Wayne Dyer, everybody's born, everybody grows, everybody rots, everybody dies. There you go, the end. I love it when supermodels age. It's my it's my favorite thing when vain people age. Uh, it's it's my absolute favorite thing. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking like people that really put a lot of stock in their looks, because baby, that's that's like that's the stupidest thing to put your stock in is your looks. That's the first thing to go. Okay, so here we go. The elation. Oh oh. Uh, uh, uh. Okay, if you've experienced this pattern of effort followed by achievement, followed by elation, followed by a letdown, you may still be tenaciously striving, thinking just a little more money, fame, or beauty will make you happy. Observe the evidence and save your strength. Woof, no kidding. So try this, she says. Define virtue as living in perfect alignment with what you most deeply feel to be true. And happiness as an upwelling of joy that arises directly from this alignment, regardless of external factors, then run your own experiment. So in other words, right, what Wayne Dyer was kind of saying in the beginning to avoid the good opinion of others or to live independent of the good opinion of others, virtue as living in perfect alignment with what you most deeply feel to be true And happiness is the upwelling of joy that comes directly from this alignment, regardless of the reaction you get from others. So it is about, you know, we've all done this shit, right? The, uh, the fake laugh that you give somebody, the, the not speaking up when somebody says something horribly sexist or racist, um, Sometimes doing something for money that you probably shouldn't have done and you don't want to necessarily do. <laughs> you you live out of integrity. And this woman is saying that you can have an integrity cleanse where you just start doing and saying the things you feel in your heart you should say and do. And that's not just like, I guess, what's the difference between that and Kanye West making an asshole out of himself? I guess for Kanye, that's his integrity cleanse. Good for him. Um, 
but yeah, she says you're basically going to piss off a lot of people. You might, um, oh, like for instance, like if you have like a drug addicted relative, maybe you'll stop giving them money for drugs. You know, you'll stop putting up with abusive crap that you're putting up with in some facet of your life. And some friends will drop away. You know, maybe you don't want to be friends with people who don't have the same beliefs or moral standards as you or or whatever the thing may be. And those that stuff falls away. So basically your life becomes total chaos once you start living in integrity, which I, I, I can't say that I do live integrity and live in integrity all the time. I think... You know, being in show business, you got to say some bullshit every now and then. You got to you gotta drink the Kool-Aid. You got to, right, don't you? A little bit in life to get by? Don't we all have to a little bit? I mean, this kind of, it's kind of scary. The idea of just like, ooh, saying everything all the time. Hmm, whistleblowing. That's become a cool thing now, right? Standing up for, for what's right. I do like what's happening in Hollywood where women are standing up for the sexism. That's pretty exciting. And that's going to change society. So there you go. Right? You can change shit by living in integrity, as difficult as that is. Well, so the point is, bros, you know, I guess there is no ultimate reward for being good. Other than those of us that have a conscience kind of need to be good to sleep at night. That's really the truth of it. That's the only reason I don't cheat on my spouse and murder people and do bad shit every day is because I can't. The energy energy that that takes, the form of shame, the form of guilt that it takes in my mind, it's too much. I'm already too busy. I got enough stuff to worry about. I, I can't worry about fucking over other people all the time, man. It's too much responsibility. At least, so basically, the reason I'm good is out of laziness. The reason I'm monogamous is just lazy. I'm just lazy. Too much energy to cheat on my husband, uh, to backstab everybody, and to be a douchebag. It does take a lot of energy. (sighs) So there. And don't expect your cosmic cookies, kids. You can't expect your cosmic cookies. But, I don't know. I do believe that those cosmic cookies do come, actually. I believe in, in, in getting something back from the vending machine. Because every now and then, don't you notice that something, if you are a decent human being, there's all these, these serendipitous things that kind of happen, right? If you are nice to people, just be fucking nice to people. Is that so hard? You know, at this hotel, I was at a really nice hotel, and I saw so many rich people acting like total a-holes, and, and letting their kids be assholes. I mean, I don't know how many times I got into an elevator and their kids would just stare at my husband and just start barking at him and, and demanding shit and saying things. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I didn't say this out loud, but in my head I'm like, whatever happened to say hello? Say hello to the stranger. <laughs> um, just rudeness. You're like, who the... Just be nice, people. Is it that fucking hard? Just be courteous. You're not that special. I'm not that special. Nobody's that fucking special. We're all special and none of us are special, right? Jesus. Yeah. Don't hurt other people. Is that, is that so fucking hard? <sighs> so there you have it, bros. That's, that's um, the wisdom of Oprah Magazine, uh, the wisdom of the Philosophy Now magazine, and the wisdom of the, uh, the now-dead Wayne Dyer 
who I absolutely loved. He was such a nutter, and he oh, he lived on Maui. Isn't that the best? This motherfucker had so much money from writing these books that he got to live on Maui. That is smart. That is so smart. God. You know what I did on my vacation? I'll tell you what I did, because I can't drink, which sucks, and I can't eat much more because I'm already too fat for my pregnancy weight. I was told by the doctor last week, which is really depressing. Um, I like to sit and stare. I sit and stare a lot. I sit and stare at the ocean. I sit and stare at other people. I like to sit and stare. I like to think about nothing, if humanly possible. I like that. I'm really good at doing nothing. Like, really good. It's probably not a good thing. Yeah. All right. All right, bros. Um, I'm so glad you listened to this. I hope you're having a great week. Uh, Continue to have a deep week. And, uh, you know, live in integrity as much as you can, I guess. You know, to some extent, you got Don't you have to lie every now and then? Little lies to people? Small things, not big things. Don't hurt anybody. Don't be a douchebag. I think that's just this week's phrase. Um, lesson. Don't don't cheat on your spouse. Don't be don't be on Ashley Madison. Uh, don't don't say stupid things at the VMAs. Don't be rude to servers. Don't cut people off in traffic for fuck's sake. What else? Say hello to people. Acknowledge the humanity of others. Is that so hard? Just acknowledge the goddamn humanity in others. All right. That's it, bros. Um, I love you. Stay deep. And uh, let's do this again next week. Okay, boobs. Boobs. I called you boobs. Okay, bye. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with It's Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans This ain't your mom's house It's a different theme Gotta be critically thinking Like you caught up at a cocktail party Our thoughts start to sink in John Locke Or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates Got us talking all properly, topically Just a comedian discussing these philosophies Serious questions, silly people What's that? That's deep, bro It is the ultimate metaphor for life And you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro That's deep, bro